0: Sharika Matthews and you're listening to Orgasmic Relationships, a podcast designed to show women how to create deep, passionate, soul-stirring relationships. Each week we will discuss topics ranging from dating, situationships, marriage, divorce, and everything in between. So if you're ready to transform your love life and shift your perspective about what's really possible for you, you're. there ladies and welcome back to another episode of Orgasmic Relationships. I am your host Sharika Matthews, life coach and relationship expert. You know when I chose the name of this podcast Orgasmic Relationships, I wanted the name of the podcast itself to trigger a certain feeling or a certain emotion within you. I wanted you to remember the feeling of the last orgasm that you had and imagine if your relationship gave you that same feeling all the time or maybe even your life you were able to have that level of orgasm or that level of pleasure in your life all the time what would that look like but what I've come to realize is that there are women out here who have never had an orgasm or it's been so long since they've had one they've forgotten what it feels like. So then I asked the question what's stopping so many women from experiencing pleasure? consistent pleasure in their lives. And so on today's show, I have invited life and embodiment coach Jess Erickson, who is going to help us explore how our past hurts and traumas are preventing women from experiencing love, pleasure, and orgasm in our lives today. And then we're going to explore some ways to overcome these blocks so that you can have more fun, more love, more pleasure, and more orgasms in your life. But first, who is Jess? In addition to being a life coach and embodiment coach, Jess also specializes in sex, love, and female sexuality coaching. She also has extensive training in both mindset, somatic processing, and healing within the body. Jess feels that utilizing the power of our minds paired with the wisdom of our bodies is the most powerful way to ignite lasting change and transformation. She believes that we don't do the work to become better people because we are already perfect as we are, but that we do the work to realize our truth and become an even more full, authentic, and complete version of ourselves. So welcome to the show, Jess, and thank you so much for joining us here in this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So, you know, you are... I applaud you. You have so many certifications and you are passionate about helping women, helping people have better lives and better relationships. But I must ask you, what is an embodiment coach? I've never, I've not heard that term Mm -hmm. used very often. Yeah, I love this question because I think it is a term
1: that isn't used very often. So to me, embodiment means simply being in your body. So, so many of us can be in our heads, we're on our phones a lot, you know, we keep our to-do list in our heads, we're pretty go, go, go. So we're kind of a society mm-hmm. in that in general has disconnected from the body. So to me, embodiment, the easiest way to explain it is being in your body. And then with the somatic processing that I do as well, so somatic again refers to the body, it means actually meeting the blocks within yourself and meeting those parts of yourself that are wounded, whether that's from trauma or let's say um, a heartbreak from a relationship when you were younger, meeting that part of yourself within your body. So whether that means fully embodying that piece or just having a conversation with it.
0: Yeah, I love both parts of that because you are so right. We are in a world right now, especially if you are very ambitious, if you wear multiple hats within your friend circle your family circle we don't get a chance to just be in our bodies all the time you know and I experienced that a lot because my background is actually in electrical engineering Mm -hmm. and project management so I'm very much in my head all the time thinking making decisions and strategizing and planning and organizing that sometimes I have to stop and say what do I feel in this moment like I don't feel Mm -hmm. connected I just feel like I'm doing and not being so I love the I idea of you helping women kind of come back home to themselves come back into their body into their into their energy so I love that and then oh um, I was
1: just gonna say that's exactly how I referred to it um, as before it's coming back home into yourself and that note about not knowing what we're feeling if we don't know what we're feeling sometimes we just react to different things so when we connect to our bodies and come back home and can realize what we're feeling, we have so much more power over what it is that we say or what we do.
0: Yeah, and how does being connected or disconnected from our bodies affect how we relate to others, especially in our romantic relationships?
1: Oh, I think that it really affects them because, again, if we don't know what we're feeling, like in my case, in my relationship, I used to be really, really insecure and had such a fear of abandonment. And so Mm. when I didn't really feel connected to my body, I didn't have a signal that I was about to react or go into a defensive mechanism Mm. or pick a fight or do something that I normally wouldn't do and something that I really don't want to do. But it's because I wasn't realizing my Mm. body's signals of like, oh, I need some attention like that hurt little girl is here and is feeling really insecure and scared and she needs some attention. But since I didn't realize that, I would instead just react from that fear and generally push away um, my partners.
0: Yeah, that is so important, Uh, and that kind of connects back to your somatic, um, somatic Mm -hmm. training, right? Where you number one realize what you're feeling, but two, where are those feelings coming Mm -hmm. from? Yeah, exactly. Because I know with like in my relationship, I'm, I'm engaged right now, and during the course of our relationship. I notice when I'm getting upset or I'm trying to control myself, I get tense Mm -hmm. right here in my neck and my shoulder area. Or, um, you know, here recently, I live here in Chicago, and so the, the winters are really emotionally and mentally hard here. And so sometimes I will often feel bored, but what I've come to realize is not just boredom. It's me not experiencing the joy and the pleasure that I really want to experience throughout this mm-hmm. time period. So instead of me trying to just get a, get rid of that boredom by just being active, I sought out things that would bring me pleasure or bring me stimulation because that's really what I was going after. That's something that I've enjoyed since I was a little girl. So not really trauma-related, but it's still... Getting to get, getting back home into me and understanding who I am and why I am responding mm-hmm. the way I, I am. I think that's the biggest part is right? the why. Yeah, yeah. And it's about being curious about yourself. Sometimes we understand the what because we're in our heads all the time. But when we ask ourselves why, you come back home to yourself and really have a moment to say, why am I like this? And and not just settling for the answer of I've always been like this. I've always been triggered by this word. I've always responded this way. But why have you always responded this way? Why are you feeling angry? Why are you feeling sad? Why are you feeling happy? So you can produce more What what uh, mm-hmm. makes you happy. Yeah, right? and
1: that knowing why I think is so important for self-compassion, especially when we have certain patterns in our relationships. Yeah or just in life in general, because once we understand why, it's like, oh, well, that makes sense. Like, it's from that thing that happened when I was 12 years old, and I'm just simply still carrying it.
0: Absolutely. and That's why I wanted to have this conversation with you, cause kind of going back to some of the conversations I've had with some of my clients and women in my friend circle is, they want to experience more pleasure, experience, experience more love, experience more peace, In their lives and in their relationships but there's something that's blocking them and they don't really understand what it is or why it is and after some I would say some questions from me it all sometimes it seems to relate to some past trauma some childhood memory or or maybe it could be an act of violence that was perpetrated against them at any point in their Mm -hmm. lives right Can you talk about that? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So as far as that, there's so many things that can happen to us when we're younger, and it really shapes us for the future. So if we don't do anything to kind of access what happened before and how it's stored in our bodies, it will continue to run the show later on. So for instance, for a lot of Mm -hmm. people in their relationships and in their sexuality, Oftentimes, it's actually their inner child who is running the show and who's in the driver's seat. And so that Mm. gets a little bit complicated, right? Because an adult relationship and your sexuality is really no place for a child to be in charge. And so that's where a lot of that uh, reacting and uh, maybe pushing away, avoidance,
0: things like that can really come up. Just talk a little bit more about your inner child running the show. What does that really mean? Because sometimes like I've, I've never really thought about what it meant to have my inner child act out because I feel like, yeah, an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I look like an adult. I think I do. But how does how do we recognize the inner child from our adult selves? when it comes to Yeah, this. so that really does take some connection with
1: yourself and exploration and getting curious. Um, and so like for me, sometimes I know it's my inner child. This doesn't happen as much now because I have processed this so much, but like for instance, a couple years ago, I'm now married, but when we were still dating, um, Like for me, I like I said, I would get really insecure or I would start to feel like this panic within me, this real fear of abandonment or not being enough. Um, I just really lacked confidence and it would show up in my relationship and I would just something would happen and I would get so activated by it and I could just feel this intensity Mm -hmm. in my body and that is my inner child coming up like that is that. Hurt little girl who still believes that she isn't worthy of love and that she'll never be good enough for someone else. Like that's her kind of showing up and Mm -hmm. saying, I'm so scared right now. And so that's one way that I recognize it, but something that we can just ask ourselves also is like, okay, let me just take a pause right now and see like who is in the driver's seat. Like, where is this coming from? Or you can just take a moment and simply kind of close your eyes if that feels comfortable or just soften your gaze Mm -hmm. and just say, where do I feel this in my body? What exactly does that Mm -hmm. feel like? What are the sensations present? Take a moment to connect. And then from there, you can ask, why are you here? So you're directly asking those sensations, why are you here? And what is your purpose? Mm -hmm. And you can even ask, like, who are you or what part of me are you? You know, when did you come to be in place? And it's really interesting and amazing because actually so often our sensations or these parts of us, they will speak to us, whether that's in words or whether that's in sensations or like an image in your mind. Like once we actually take the time Mm -hmm. to do this, they will come back and they'll say, well, I just I feel really scared. Or, well, I'm pretty sure that, you know, maybe this isn't going to work out, so we should just leave now. Um, so that's one kind of more simple way to ask, like, who is in the driver's seat? Is it me? Is it my inner child? Is it my 14-year-old self whose heart got crushed by her first boyfriend?
0: Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, sometimes if when I look back at some of my experiences, when my inner child is acting up, it's usually because my, well, the purpose of some of my acting now is to protect mm-hmm. myself, right? Because of a past hurt or a past trauma or a past experience. So I'm getting angry. I'm getting frustrated. I want to control things because I want to protect myself from feeling the pain that I felt 5, 10, 38 years yep. ago. <laughs>
1: exactly. there. It's a protective yeah. mechanism. Right. And the
0: thing with this is that
1: yeah. we actually put these things in place. So in our child, of course, like is coming along with us, but other defense mechanisms that we do at some point in our lives, we put them in place. So whether that was um, always staying small and being scared to be seen, that was a protective mechanism that served us at one point when we were younger. Right. And so Mm-hmm. When that starts to show up later in life and we've actually outgrown that phase and we no longer need that protective mechanism, it still almost has its own pattern, or you can think of it even as its own consciousness. So it is stuck in the past where mm-hmm. it was needed and it was needed to protect you yeah. and to help you. And it's still trying to do the same thing. So unless we get into our bodies and start to rewire that, or almost update it, if you will, then it will continuously want to protect us in the same way. And again, that goes back to that compassion, because it's like, oh, if we understand, actually, this part of me is just trying to protect me, and yes, it's doing it in a way that's Mm -hmm. now blocking love or blocking my pleasure, but still, it is trying to protect me. So rather than me trying to push it away, or deny it or get rid of it, how can I actually say, okay, like, I see you, you're a part of me, and I welcome you, like, come back home, I'm not going to make you an enemy. I'm actually going to realize your truth is that you're trying to help me. And now we can have a conversation in more of a different relationship. So with that, there's, in my mind, a Mm -hmm. lot more compassion and a lot more coming into wholeness because you're not pushing away those parts of
0: yourself that you feel are blocking you. Yeah, I absolutely love what you just said, because it, I don't know about you, but what well, as I'm growing up, as I'm maturing as a woman, and especially in a field that's mostly male dominated, having my emotions, having my feelings is something I always want to control or push down or mm-hmm. not acknowledge. But it's so important for us as women and just humans in general, to, un- to acknowledge our emotions and not try to make them good or bad, but just Acknowledge them because they're there to give you feedback, there to give you some sort of information that you need to dissect, that you need to acknowledge, you need to use to make another decision in your life, and and that's really important. And as you were speaking, I had this image in my mind from, um, and I don't know which page I saw it mm-hmm. on Instagram, but. Your inner child is like a child, right? It's like a five-year-old who's having maybe a temper tantrum or or having some really big emotions and they don't really know how to express those emotions in a way that's more constructive and so this video i saw several months ago was a mother and her child about four or five years old having really big emotions having a temper tantrum and she could have tried to fuss at him drag him out the store you know some of the videos we see of not so great (laughs) parenting right because you're (laughs) But the more you drag and fuss and try to get them, like yell at them to calm down, the more they act out. But in this case, the mother was showing some compassion. She was talking to him. It was was a little boy and um, was guiding him through breathing try to you know understand where his emotions were coming from, ask him, why is he upset? Why is he feeling this way? And you would be surprised how much a child can communicate back to you when you show the compassion, when you show the grace and you show them the patience. And it's the same thing. That's exactly what I saw in my mind's eye as you were describing this process of self-compassion. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's exactly
1: <laughs> it. Because again, those uh, protective mechanisms, they want to help us. And so if we are pushing them away or trying to pretend they're not there or thinking that it's wrong or bad, right, then they actually start acting up even more because they're like, hey, no, Like, I think we're in danger and we need to do something about it, right? So pushing things into the shadow, if you will, only generally causes even more problems.
0: Yeah, I have this little saying that I have, whatever you bury mm-hmm. grows. So if you think you're going to push those emotions aside or the that inner child aside, you're going to try to bury it in, just wait. It's going to grow. It's going to burst through the concrete, burst through the <laughs> the soil and yes. just show out. <laughs>
1: so. Absolutely. And just like what you were saying there with how um, his mother was actually asking him, like, why are you upset? Like, tell me about it. What are you feeling? Like, you can have that same conversation with your own inner child or any of those defense mechanisms. And oftentimes, they do just want to be heard and understood and validated. Sometimes they need love. Sometimes they need you to create some safety for them. You know, sometimes just simply the acknowledgement helps them to calm down. Like, okay, like, my concerns were heard, and go ahead. Like, I'll let you, your adult self, run the show then i just wanted to make sure you knew why i was scared
0: and you know asking the why and seeking understanding that's a relationship skill Mm -hmm. that is a relationship skill that hopefully we are using with other human beings but we should also use it with ourselves to asking why and seeking to understand because sometimes other people just yourself want to be heard they just want the acknowledgement they want to feel safe again so this is all good stuff. I love it. I could talk about it for days. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about okay. the trauma and how um, and how trauma and pain shows up in our lives. Because last time we spoke, we spoke about how it impacts our bodies. Uh, What are some other ways that this trauma and hurt can impact us?
1: Yeah, so it impacts our bodies. It also sometimes impacts the way that we think about ourselves, right? So a lot of um, what many would call our deep-seated beliefs. And I just say that because sometimes when we refer to it as – sorry, I use the quotes because when we refer to it as deep-seated, sometimes it can – sometimes make us feel like it's never going to change or, well, no, they're just deep-seated beliefs. It's just how I am. But my point is that a lot of our self-beliefs were formed when we were really young. So whether we experienced trauma or not, we've all had wounding. We've all had moments where, let's say, we really wanted... Um, our parents love, and they weren't able to give it to us then, right? Because maybe they had to go to the grocery store, whatever it was. And so all of that, when we're children, really impacts us because we're not able to realize that it's something with the adult that is happening. We think that it's us. So we internalize all of that. So like in my case, when um, my dad wasn't really present, and he was He just never really took time to connect with me, whether he was in the home or not. That led me to believe like, oh, I must be unworthy of love. It must be me. Like there is something wrong with me as to why my father can't connect with me or doesn't seem to care about what's happening with me. Right. And so those beliefs like that then fueled into, oh, I must not be enough. And I'll probably never be good enough for a man to love me then. Because obviously, Mm -hmm. again, thinking as a child, obviously it's me is the reason, right? And so that led to just so much unworthiness. And again, that fear of abandonment of, you know, that even if I have a partner, I'm probably not good enough and I'm not worthy of their love anyways, and they'll probably just leave me. And so... I might as well just push back as much as I can. Um, So again, going back Mm. to the beliefs, the thing that's so important with that is whatever we believe about ourselves, whatever we're thinking about ourselves, is gonna affect how we feel. And our feelings are what drive every action that we take. It drives all of our behavior. Right. So if we feel unworthy, imagine how we show up in relationships or when we're dating. Imagine how we show up in our sexuality. We feel unworthy of pleasure. We're probably not going to experience orgasms or have a very fulfilling sex life. Right. So that's another way that trauma and just wounding from the past can affect us now.
0: All of what you said is so great because thinking about even just for myself about some of the things I was taught about relationships or even sexuality, you know, growing up, just my father experienced. My father was physically present, but my father was not very emotional with us. Like, I don't ever remember giving my dad a hug. And it's not because I don't think he didn't love us. He just wasn't that person. And so there wasn't a lot of physical affection within my household growing up. And by the time I became a teenager and a young adult and I'm out here dating, now I'm equating physical connection Mm -hmm. with sex. And so that to me became the only time if, if a man touched me, they wanted sex. And so I began to repulse that because I don't always want to have sex. I want something more, but I didn't know how to express it and didn't really know where that was coming from until you know, as I mature and started doing my own work. So it a lot of what we how we behave affects or comes from what we were taught either intentionally or unintentionally by mm-hmm. our parents, our caregivers, our teachers, TV absolutely <laughs> all the shows we used to watch like um I, I grew up watching 90210 beverly hills 90210 those relationships are toxic on there yeah <laughs> and i found myself but that's the only way i learned mm-hmm. relationships mm-hmm. right so you know i thought relationships were about cheating and um you know i guess fighting and arguing and I didn't really like none of that, but, you know, if it happened, it happened, and I just dealt with it, and that kind of kept me, and I know so many other women I know, in unhealthy, toxic, unfulfilling relationships much longer than what they mm-hmm. should have been. Yeah, I love that
1: you you yes. touch on that and the associations that we make when we're younger, and then later on in our adult life, sometimes we get to a point where we start to question them. But generally, especially when we're younger, like, first starting to date in our 20s, um, we just don't realize that in our head, we're like, oh, relationships are like this. Like, this is how you are in a relationship. Or associations like sexuality is shameful or self-pleasure is Mm. wrong, right? Like, we carry all of those associations from when we're younger. Of course, it affects our relationships and our sex lives and just our general, like, pleasure and enjoyment of life as well
0: and you know there's not a lot of conversation from when I was younger or even now well I would say in the last couple years there's been more conversation about this but for the last 20 30 40 years there hasn't been a whole lot of conversation about the positive the positivity of women's sexuality the positive side of women having or or experiencing pleasure during sex, you know, especially, I grew up in the South, and it's known as a Bible vessel mm-hmm. so very religious, very heavy mm-hmm. on Christianity, and a lot of us were taught, of course, to wait till marriage till you have sex, or um, when you do get married, you're there to serve your husband's sexual pleasure, There was little conversation about self-pleasure or just a woman receiving pleasure from the sexual acts with her husband or anyone else. So there wasn't a lot of positive conversation. So when you grow up and you start to, um, you know, have relationships with men, you think, oh, it's all about Mm -hmm. pleasing them. And you're left with this emptiness, is void, or even is frustration because I want some yeah. pleasure to. Oh, exactly. <laughs> like we do grow up thinking, oh, it's all about
1: their pleasure and it's all about them and it's all about performing, right? Because
0: we yeah. do grow up and
1: we tend to see whether it's in pornography or otherwise, like, oh, that's how I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So let me put on this whole show because it's really for him. And of course right. we disconnect from our own pleasure, oftentimes our own bodies. And as you were speaking too, it just reminded me also of so much of the body shame that we go through as women in society. And so that's another huge thing that can block us in our pleasure and in our relationships. Because if we're carrying around shame about how we look or thinking that our bodies are wrong for any reason, like it definitely shows up in our relationships. And I just... It's hard for me to see how any woman in this society could grow up without that. I know it's possible, and I know that they're out there, but there's just so much messaging. It's It's hard, hard. right? And there's just so much (laughs) mixed messaging to women of like, oh, no, you're supposed to be pure and wait for marriage, and then you're supposed to be amazingly awesome and like a porn star in bed. So just make sure you do both yeah. of those at yeah. the appropriate times, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> like how? Yeah, how am I supposed exactly. to do that? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 hard growing up here and with the body shaming, it's it's just hard with your bodies because you see so many commercials about liposuction and you know facelifts and Botox and false lashes and. All kinds of things, and I'm not opposed to any of it. But where I would like to see us get to a point of is that we're not doing any of this of these things because we feel bad about how we are or who we are. We're doing it because we want to. We doing it because it's an enhancement. Like, and I've told this story before. um, I started growing gray hair, probably, probably, gosh. Five or mm-hmm. six years ago, but it really became a lot. <laughs> Maybe about three or four years ago. It's like right here at the uh-huh. center of my head. And my first extent ex- extent was to, um, instinct was to color my hair to cover up the gray I don't want to be old. And I was like, uh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to start covering up parts of me because I don't look young like I'm supposed to. So I waited gosh, probably about a Mm -hmm. year and a half um, before I added color to my hair because I wanted to not feel any shame associated with the natural aging process. I did not want to feel any shame about my body with losing weight and dieting. I wanted to get to a point where I love myself how I am But I want to make myself healthier. So I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to exercise because it feels good. It brings me pleasure. I am going to now color my hair because I do like changing Mm -hmm. up my hairstyle every once in a while. I'm doing it out of preference and pleasure and satisfaction, not from a place of... I'm not good enough. I'm too fat. I'm I'm not pretty enough. I don't meet the superficial standards that we saw with our Barbie doll at mm-hmm. three, four, five years old. Oh,
1: I love <laughs> this so much. So I have two things on this. One, I also have a gray streak. I got it when I was 25. I mean, for those watching the video, I'll just show uh-huh. you, but it's pretty like, woo, you know, on the right side of my um, <laughs> head. And I also went through that where at first I was like, Oh my gosh, like I need to cover this up and I was like, wait, no. Like yeah. there is nothing wrong yeah. with gray hair, white hair, like it's totally fine. Um, and just similar yeah. to you, I was like, I don't wanna dye my hair from a place of, oh, I need to cover this up or like this isn't okay for my hair to be like this, so let me go ahead and dye it. So I just love that you say that. And I haven't dyed my hair yet. Um, I'm playing around with it now because the other point in that that you made is, like, it's so much about self-expression and and what we want and kind of just following our um, almost like desires, right? Or thinking like, how do I want to represent myself? And how do I want to play around with this temple and decorate it? Right. So I want to come from that space. space Yeah. Like I need to cover up.
0: Yes. And when you come from that space, it changes how you relate to others. Because now I think I'm pretty confident. Maybe I don't think I'm arrogant, but I love (laughs) good. (laughs) I think I'm the sexiest, finest walking in the the room. Okay. it's so funny yesterday I was um getting ready to go out and I was just playing with my fiance he was on the couch and I just stood there for a second until he acknowledged me and he was like hey what's up go- what's up and I was like oh I just want to see I just wanted you to see how how good I look today
1: I love it I love it
0: <laughs> that wasn't the real reason I was there but I was like well why not why shouldn't he admire oh, me I love this so much right because I'm with you now too like yeah, I'm not, I
1: still struggle with confidence sometimes, I still question things, and I can be mean to myself, just like everybody else, right? Yeah. But like, I'm actually at this point yeah. now, I spent so long hating myself and hating my body, but I'm at this point now where I'm like, actually, like, I do love myself, and I do like, actually see it, my beauty, and I do feel sexy, and I do the same thing with my husband, where yeah. I'm like, hey, yeah. Yeah. just, you know, wanted you to take me <laughs> in for a second, and <laughs> And it's so yes,
0: yes. Let me walk slowly across the room so you can enjoy right? all of this like, expanse. <laughs> let you have a little bit of time to check me out here. Um, and I just
1: love that because you know there's this thing with me where I still feel it sometimes now because this is new to me, like feeling this way about myself, feeling good yeah. about myself, very yeah. new to me. So now there's almost this like fear coming in, right? Of like, oh, other women are not gonna like me anymore. Because I feel good about myself yeah. and because now, like, I don't feel like I always completely love my body and I think that you don't have to, but I do like it and I usually right. love it and right. I do acknowledge like, Oh yeah, right. like, girl, we got it going on. But I fear yeah. like, <laughs> that, that judgment from other women or then suddenly like almost a fear of not belonging because we are so conditioned Mm -hmm. to get down on ourselves and to not feel good enough and to not be okay with our bodies or to not accept them. Um, And with this acceptance piece too, what it reminds me of is like we were just talking about with the gray hairs, like there is a difference, a huge difference of doing something from a place of self love and wanting to express yourself versus doing it from a place of self judgment or self dislike or self hatred, mm-hmm. right? Cause you can do the exact yeah. same thing, but if it's coming from self love, it's gonna feel very different to
0: you than if it's coming from self judgment. Absolutely, and the more you judge yourself, the more critical you are of yourself, the more layers of that brick wall that you're building that's keeping you from the pleasure, from the happiness, from the success, from the orgasms, from the relationships, from the love that you mm-hmm. truly desire. Because how you mm-hmm. view you, guess what? That's how he's going to look at you, too. That's how the world's going to look at you. Yep. You know, so we have to, again, it's all it's all about self-improvement. And there's... Like like you said, Jess, we don't always like what we see in the mirror every single day. You know, we have our up days, we have our down days. But the goal here is to have more up days where you can celebrate more of yourself, even if the best thing you can say about yourself is I love my mm-hmm. fingernails. Yeah, today. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Like start wherever you can start. You know. Start where you can start and work up to your finger, to your wrist, to your elbow, whatever you got to do. Because the more that you accept yourself the more that you can express yourself to, the more you're able to relate to others and give them the freedom to accept you, give them the freedom to love you, give them the freedom to to desire you sexually, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, whatever you desire. Because that's the hardest thing about being in a relationship with someone who doesn't see you the way you see... Who, doesn't, who don't see you the way you mm-hmm. see you. Like, if I feel like I'm too fat or I'm too short or, or, or I am too hippie. Like I have a lot. My mama's side of the family gave us mm-hmm. all the <laughs> hips. All the hips. Okay. <laughs> and I used to be really insecure about that. But honey, at this 42 year old woman now <laughs> but if for a while I just didn't accept that. Like I wish I didn't have the what do you call these uh-huh. things? Love uh-huh. handles or You know, my chin here, like you thought all kinds of things to be critical about yourself. And if every time my fiance desired me sexually or he desired me physically, I always had something negative to say about myself. Guess what? He's not going to desire you as much if you keep on shooting yourself down. He's going to see you the way you see you. And that is... is is. That's hard when it's when it's negativity. But if he says you're sexy, be like, you know what? I receive that. Yes, I sure am sexy. Thank you for seeing what I see, <laughs> or use right. your own words. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I I feel like for me,
1: for a long time, um, you know, with my now husband. But when we were first dating, it was a little bit of the opposite for me. Like I didn't see what he saw in me. And to be fair, we met at a very, at a time where I was having a hard time just keeping it together. I was really going through a lot of my grief processing and trauma healing work and things like that. Um, But yeah, I just, I did not see myself in the light that he saw me. And so it was really hard to accept those compliments. But just like you said, had I continued on that path, of pushing away those compliments and saying, no, 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 like, I'm not sexy yet. You're crazy. Like, I don't know what you see in me, right? Like, had I continued on that, it does start to create a barrier in the relationship, right? Because it's that constant kind of pushing away or putting up these walls versus like opening up and being like, okay, maybe I can see myself in that way. Right. And now that I do, it's like, oh, yeah, like, our sex life has just gotten so much better. I mean, it was great in the beginning too. I'm not going to lie, but you know, it's like for (laughs) me, the experience is just so much better because I no longer think like, Oh, what does my stomach look like in this? Or my boobs, they're too small, you know, or Mm -hmm. anything like that. Like, it's like, you know what? It's all good. Like I, my mind is not going there any longer, whereas before it was right. And so if we are with yeah. our partners and we're constantly thinking about our bodies and what they look like and what is my face doing and am I making sure I'm, I'm you know, performing here and looking good, it's going to take us out of our bodies yeah. and out of our pleasures. So the more that we can yes, let exactly. that go, the more that our sexuality and orgasm
0: potential will increase. Yeah, and, and the more pleasure and orgasm will increase – When you stop judging yourself for your partner, because if I judge myself this harshly, I am more than likely judging my partner the way his body looks, the way he's performing the way whatever, whatever, because it's, it's natural mm-hmm. to us sometimes. So if you find yourself in that space where you're judging yourself and your partner, you're definitely doing you, you both a disservice. But being able to drop back into yourself, drop back into your body, now you're able to connect not just physically, but you're able to connect spiritually and emotionally and give you that full, what I want to call it, the full self-experience mm-hmm. of an orgasm. Meaning that your mental is involved, your physical is involved, your emotional is involved, your, your spirituality is involved when you have that orgasm. And that's when your toes curl, <laughs> your eyes roll back like you <laughs> see in the porn movies. Yes.
1: <laughs> right? If heavens open exactly. up, up,
0: sky lights come down.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. So Yeah, so that's where we want to get to. And we want to... We want to start removing these blocks that's keeping us from having those types of orgasms. Well, and that's and my belief is this: you tell me if I'm off base here, Jess. But my belief is that you can have an orgasmic life, an orgasm, and an orgasmic relationship. You don't have to be in a relationship to experience pure pleasure in your life. You don't have to be in a relationship to experience an orgasmic life. Would oh, you agree with absolutely, that
1: absolutely, 100%. And I just want to touch on this also, but I think it's really important to expand the definition of what orgasmic is, because sometimes we've been taught that mm. an orgasm is this very specific thing. It's almost like this kind of, you know, um, building of pleasure and momentum and you're up, 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 and then you have it and then you kind of come down right? And it's like, that's kind of more like the male yeah. orgasm. Like women, we get to have these rolling, yeah. like wave-like <laughs> ones. But my point yes. here is just, let's expand our definition a bit, right? Of what an orgasm is. Like maybe it doesn't actually mean that you reach that high peak, but that you are in a state of that pleasure and that bliss. And like you said, that spiritual connection, you're kind of mentally in it, you're yeah. physically present right? Like maybe that is what an orgasm is. Like if we expand that definition, yeah. how do we then feel about our sexuality in ourselves while we are having sex? It can really be very yeah. expansive and opening. Um, so that is just one thing I wanted to touch on, but absolutely like you do not need a partner to live an orgasmic life. And I actually feel that sometimes for some women, it can actually be really beneficial to do your own self-pleasure practices or to work on yourself, um, whether you're in a relationship or not, and be able to Mm -hmm. increase your orgasmic potential on your own, right? Because when we are with a partner, then suddenly we have a whole nother layer of thoughts and wondering what their experience is like, what are they thinking how is it for them? But when we're by ourselves... Like, that's a time to really get to explore ourselves, see what kind of touch do I like? Like, what do I like for foreplay for myself? You know, how how do, how do does my yeah. body want to be touched versus how do I think this should look? And then in those yeah. um, self-pleasure yeah. practices, also, it's a way to kind of going back to some of the trauma and the childhood wounding, things like that. And those associations we make with our bodies and what sex is and all of that, like when we do a self-pleasure practice, it's actually not always about going after an orgasm or figuring out how to orgasm if you've never done that or building pleasure. What it's about actually is just allowing for whatever is there to be there. So sometimes Mm, that means that you allow for your shame to come up. And you allow yourself to feel Mm -hmm. it and to be with it and acknowledge it with loving presence again, that welcoming, not pushing it away. So, if shame comes up because you were told that sex was wrong and that it was dirty and that you should never have it until you're married and here you are having sex, right? Later, when you're, (laughs) you know, whenever you start a teenager, young 20s. Right. Like allowing for that shame to come up. That's what's going to heal it. So I really believe that trauma yeah. and things like shame and unworthiness, you have to feel it to heal it. Also, like your unworthiness can come up. Mm-hmm. Right. So sometimes you have certain memories and You allow for those memories to come up and, again, meet them with loving presence. It's a way for your body to actually start to digest those experiences, and it's going to start to free up energy within your system and free up your capacity to then move towards pleasure.
0: You know, that should be a hashtag, what you just said. You have to feel it to yes. heal it. That could be a whole lesson. Just That could just be the post. That could just be, let's just drop the mic. You have to feel but it yeah. to heal it. Because if you don't acknowledge it, <laughs> if you don't know it's there, if you don't feel all the things, the things that we label as good, as bad, as somewhere in between, if we don't feel all of it, then there's no way we could heal the parts mm-hmm. that needs to be healed. Exactly. And then we're bringing that trauma, mm-hmm. that shame, that pain into every relationship that we encounter, not just our romantic relationship, but those feelings roll over to our oh, work yeah. relationships and to our friendships, to our parenting relationships. It rolls over to oh, Absolutely. All of that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I felt yeah. so, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, ahead. yeah. I mean, talking about that. Yeah. It's not just our intimate relationships, but like I used to be what I consider just more closed off to friends and things like that too. Cause again, I just didn't think that I was worthy of love and that I just wasn't a good enough person for whatever reason. And so I had best friends of course, and like a, you know, a whole friend group, but I could feel that I always distanced myself, that I only let people get as close to me, but not too close, right? And I felt that and that shaded those relationships. And the feel it to heal it, it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning, that if you're disconnected from your body, you don't have an opportunity to understand the why and you have less of a choice of how you react and respond to it. So it really is about Mm. allowing yourself to feel it and be with it and trying to leave that judgment out of the, you know, out of the door, so to say, and really come into presence. And if love is not accessible to you for something like a feeling like shame, you can just simply meet it with your presence. Like presence alone is enough.
0: And for those of us who are, more cerebral, like like me, I feel like mm-hmm. I'm in my head more often than not. And I remember when I was first introduced to this way of healing, this way of being and, and really just being in my body, it was hard for me to wrap my brain around how to be, how to come home, how to be present, because I was so used mm-hmm. to doing. How can someone like me bridge that gap or really shift out of this work mode into learning what being present means? Like, what does it feel like? And and what do I expect when I'm doing this type of work for the first time? Is it going to be uncomfortable? Is it going to be painful? Like, can you give somebody like me some yeah, guidance? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I love this question. So I think that there are really simple ways that you can start One thing that I really suggest is just giving yourself a little bit of time, right? Even just like five minutes, totally fine. Just give yourself some time to just be with yourself. So what I mean by that is let's say you do set a timer for five minutes. You can either sit in a comfortable position or I always like to lay down because I just think it's more comfortable. So you can Mm -hmm. lay down and you can just start to ask yourself, like, what am I feeling in my body. And you can do what's called a body meditation or a body scan and just start to yeah. scan your body for any sensations. And then when you feel a sensation, you can say that sensation and its location out loud. So, like if I were to do it right now, I would start to scan my body and I think, oh, I feel like an excitement, an expansion in my chest or I feel a slight tingling in my right foot, right? Whatever it is. So whether it's Mm -hmm. heaviness, contraction, um, like butterflies, anything like that, you really want to start helping yourself to drop into your body, to come home into your body and sensations by just asking, what am I feeling and where am I feeling it? And doing that simple process just time and time again is gonna help you start to access your body and come into more presence. I think the other part, of course, is trying to let go of our thoughts and not be in the past or the present. But I really feel that the body meditation is such a great way because if you start to think about your to-do list or think about the conversation you just had, you just gently remind yourself like, nope, we're coming back into the body. What am I feeling? And something that I want to note with this too is sometimes it can be uncomfortable, right? Like there is a reason why in this society we tend to be in our heads. So sometimes connecting with the body, it's actually a little bit scary to some people. And I know it was a little bit scary to me too, because whether it's a thought of like, well, I don't really know what's in there and I don't really want to find out, right? Or there can be almost like a distrust of our bodies also, depending on what has happened in the past right? So it can be a little bit uncomfortable. So something I love for that is that you start at a place of resource. So what that means is that you feel grounded, you feel stable, you feel good, right? Like, whether that's your feeling Mm -hmm. safety, like how can you create safety for yourself before going into the body? Maybe that's Mm -hmm. making sure that you lock your door. Maybe that's taking a look around your space, your room and just saying, okay, like this is where I am. I'm in the present moment. I'm not in the past, right? Or you can find a place of resource either um, externally, like a memory where you felt safe or felt very loved or within your body. So, Where in my body do I feel safety? Maybe it's just the warmth in my hands, and you kind of rest there. And then you go into scanning your Mm -hmm. body, seeing what you're feeling, and being with those sensations. And then you go back to that safety or that comfort that you found. So maybe you bring back that memory. If you connected with a part of yourself that felt loving or safe, you reconnect to that part. So this is where the idea of titration comes in. So if it is scary or uncomfortable to Mm -hmm. anyone, very important that you resource first, you start from a place of comfort, goodness, or safety, and then you swing into the body, swing Mm -hmm. into any emotions that are difficult, and then you come right back. And you just do this in a very gentle way because this process is in a process about, oh, we have to go in there and we have to heal and we have to feel everything and, we have to suddenly be so yeah. connected to ourselves. No, it's much more about how can I right. gently and lovingly do this for myself. So it's just a little step by little step by little step.
0: And I love that because I went through that process not knowing that's uh-huh. oh, what I was supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, nailed it. I, um I know. Right? I feel kind of proud of myself. But no, I, I downloaded this app and this is not a plug. So I'm not getting paid for them. But um, Calm it's a meditation app and they have a body scan meditation. I started off using it to fall asleep because I was having trouble falling asleep. But then over time, I found myself doing it at work or doing it at my desk here or just in the car it's like okay let me come back to myself what am i feeling so i started my toes and feel my toes in my shoes or you know is my ankle extended because I'm pressing on the gas or like I noticed I curled my toes when I drive right I know, who knew that like I actually curled my toes I never knew that this <laughs> scan while I was driving but it helps me to become more aware of where I am mentally where I am physically and how those two are connected and why they are connecting and reacting in that manner yeah so yeah I like that. But, yeah, if you're listening, Calm has a body scan app. Do you have any meditations to help Um, with that? I use Insight
1: Timer, and they have some meditations in there, too. I don't have any in mind that um, are kind of popping up for me. But, yeah, just doing that simple body meditation, that right there
0: can change your life. And you can do that while having sex, Mm -hmm. too. and That is what will get you out of your head too because like if you're actually in the act of sexual intercourse you can drop back into your body and feel the thrust going in and out and like what do you feel and where do you feel and how does it make you feel and you can just Drop back into it, or if whatever's going on with your body during sexual intercourse, you could focus your attention, focus on finding Mm -hmm. your nerves, endings, or whatever. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like focus it in on that area that he's paying attention to and feel all of it. (laughs) Exactly, and that's exactly, and that
1: is like the way to increase your orgasmic capacity and your capacity for pleasure. Because, again, it goes into having to be connected with your body and asking yourself, what am I feeling? So whether that is in a solo self-pleasure practice or whether that is in sex with a partner, the more that you can tune in and be like, what exactly am I feeling? How can I describe it to myself? The more that you're going to connect to those sensations. And, of course, where our attention goes, like the energy grows. So if you are focusing on that pleasure, then you're actually going to start um, increasing your body's potential for pleasure in that experience, right? Because the more that you're connecting to that body part, just the more that it starts to open up and almost kind of come online again. So this is great for any women that deal with any kind of numbness. Like this is the process to allowing for some healing and
0: release of that
1: numbness and
0: being able to feel again. I love it. I love it. Now I have a question for you, Jess, because we didn't get a chance to really explore Uh this earlier. How did you find yourself in this space of, you know, becoming a relationship coach, a sex coach, um, women's sexuality and really healing the trauma that keeps women from experiencing more pleasure, both inside and outside the bitter. Like, how did you get into this, into yeah. this space? So it was really um, my own personal journey. Um,
1: like I said, I just used to really hate myself and hate my body and demonize it. I um, was anorexic from the age of 11 to 16. And then after that, I just started drinking as my coping mechanism. So I just kind of switched them out. Um, substance abuse also was in my history. And I think it was yeah. like around my very early twenties that I started feeling this calling, right? I guess it was just my soul or it was the universe and it was calling out to me and it was sending me messages of, you are meant to be here to help other women heal. Like you are meant to be here to uplift and yeah. to inspire, right? So I started getting that message and really starting to feel that and believe that. But I felt like I had so much work to do on myself, right? So I really started diving into that personal growth and development. It probably, when I really got heavily into it, it was after I had been in a 13-year-long relationship, almost 13 years, from 15 to the age of 27. And um, I had ended that relationship, and I knew I had to heal and find my own happiness by myself, and so that's when I did a, yeah. a lot of therapy, started the somatic work, things like that. Um, that's when I went through that really intense grieving period. I mean, it was probably two years of my life where it was it was hard to keep yeah. it together. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Yeah. and yeah, and within that time, there, I remember taking my dog on a walk, and suddenly feeling this shift in myself not suddenly like the shift was happening but when I say suddenly it was because I actually noticed it in that moment right because sometimes when you're in it it and you're doing the work like that light at the end of the tunnel it feels so far away at least it did for me and I was like when is this gonna get better right because it tends to get a little bit worse before it gets better but I remember walking my dog that sunny day and being like oh my gosh Like, no way. Like, I think (laughs) I actually feel differently about myself. And I think I'm actually ready to pursue this as a career and a life path. And so I signed up for my first training program in sex, love and relationship coaching. And that's where I learned a lot of the embodiment work and the somatic processing. And that's when I learned how to Mm -hmm. actually love myself. That was It was actually a self-pleasure practice where I was doing what's called de-armoring. So you either use your fingers or Mm -hmm. a glass dildo internally, and Mm -hmm. you're basically just finding different um, spots and areas, either on your vulva or inside your vagina, and you're finding Mm -hmm. any like tension or any areas of pain or numbness. And you're connecting to it and allowing, again, for those memories and sensations to come up and releasing them. But it was after the end of that practice. So in the beginning, I made an intention to for that practice to help me release whatever was keeping me from feeling unworthy of love and unworthy of goodness. That was my intention. Yeah. And I did the practice. And at the end, I felt my heart crack open. And I actually felt a rush of compassion and love and not just love for myself, but love for that woman before who struggled so much, who used so many different coping mechanisms that weren't good for her, right? Who hated herself for that little girl who felt so unloved at times, right? Like that compassion and love flooded my system. And I was like crying and I had this totally mystical, spiritual kind of little um, awakening, like it's the first time I really
0: felt like I
1: connected with the universe, my spirituality again. But in that moment, I embodied what self love actually felt like. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. So just to answer your question, again, it was really my own suffering and my own pain mixed with that calling. I was like, this is what I am meant to do, and no matter what it takes, like I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure it out for myself, because if I can do that for me, I know that other women can do it no matter what.
0: And, I, and thank you for sharing that, because one of the reasons I wanted you to share your story, well, a couple of reasons. is One, I want our audience to know that we all go through a, a transformation process. We don't just wake up one day and decide, I'm going to be a life coach. Mm-hmm. I'm going to you know help women overcome this. We don't just wake up to that, like just a decision. It's a process that happens from our own experiences, plus, like you said, the calling that you have to be something greater. But the focus here is on the process. It wasn't overnight. It wasn't quick. It was uh, the healing process. The transformation process Mm -hmm. is going to take time. It's going to take you learning new parts of you, rediscovering old parts of you. Probably some nice crying. Yes. Some sobbing. (laughs) Probably some nice questions. Yeah. You'll be questioning some things like it gets ugly. Then it gets better. Then it gets ugly again. You're like, look, I'm I'm sick of this. (laughs) But what I like, um, how you express yourself at the end, Jess, is you were determined to follow the calling that's been on your life. And I would like to see women have that determination, that same level of determination, not just to follow the calling of your life, but follow but have the determination to experience more love. Have the determination to experience more pleasure. Have the determination to experience more orgasms inside and outside of your relationship. And not just the physical orgasms, but the extended, consistent pleasure throughout all areas of your life. We don't want you suffering financially or suffering in your health and then, you know, tearing yeah, up in the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> That's not an orgasmic yeah. life. <laughs> We want you to experience all of that in all areas of your life. So start the process and start with yourself with, with embodying yourself, falling back home to yourself so that you can get to know mm-hmm. who you are. So Jess, let me ask you one last sure. question before we wrap up here. Um, what is, what is one thing or one thought you would like to leave with our audience today?
1: Yeah. Oh, I love this. Um, you know, the thing that comes to mind is I just want to say, like, just keep going. Like, if if you are a woman out there who's listening and you are struggling either to to be orgasmic or you're struggling to love yourself or even like yourself like I was, or you are struggling because maybe you realize some of the patterns that you have are from the past you're not sure exactly what to do yet you're in that phase of awareness but not really knowing how to change yet whatever it is like my message is just keep going because there were many times in my life where i almost didn't want to right and i credit my soul and that calling for that kind of push that determination Mm -hmm. but there have been times afterwards where I mean I have fallen to my knees in complete gratitude for the fact that I just took that next step that I always picked myself up that I kept trying and kept trying and trying because I am so grateful now so that's my biggest message just keep going and eventually like that light at the end of the tunnel like it is there
0: even on your darkest days. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jess. And if our audience wants to find out more about you or actually solicit you for help in rediscovering themselves, rediscovering their sexuality mm-hmm. and just kind of healing their trauma, how can they best get in contact Yeah. So with my you? email is great. So it is
1: jess.erickson.coach at gmail.com. And also you can find me on Facebook. I don't have a business page. I just use my personal page facebook.com slash Jess.Erikson.Coach. I'm also on Instagram, same tag, so at Jess.Erikson.Coach. And you can send me a message through any of those ways or just simply follow me, um, you know, or just reach out and say hi if you heard this podcast and if there is any of the um, messages or insights that you received. So...
0: All right. Thank you again so much, Jess, for your insight, for your for following your calling and having the courage to share your story and put yourself out here to help so many other women. I appreciate you and Oh, I honor thank you. you. <laughs> and I
1: appreciate you and honor you as well. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you. And to our audience, again, thank you for being here and joining us for another episode of our Gads with Relationships. And I always want you to remember to be bold brilliant, and completely unstoppable in the pursuit of what your hearts desire in both your life and in your relationships. I'll talk to you next time.